radio for the Agile community. www.agile.fm Welcome to another episode of Agile FM. Today I have a guest with me, uh, an industrial philosopher, and I'm going to actually explain what the connection is to Agile FM. There's a lot of things we uh, will talk about and I'll we'll make these connections to, to Agile. I have Christina Di Giacomo and she's the industrial philosopher with me. She uh, is New York City based. She's a coach, she is an advisor, she is a trainer. Um, and she with Moralchemy, that's the company in, uh, in New York. And she's also the author of Bicep at Work. That is a book. Uh, that uh, she released and um, we want to talk a little bit about all of those things what an industrial philosopher is it's trademark and uh, we also want to talk about how that might possibly connect to the topic of agile welcome to podcast thank you johan i'm so excited to be here and and talking to you uh, and happy to explain what industrial philosophy is. If you haven't heard about it, it's because I created it. Exactly. And, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so essentially what it is, is I take principles from philosophy and I apply them to the workplace. Uh, okay. I believe, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I believe that wisdom is the ultimate soft skill. Uh, you know, if you are a wise person, you are adaptable, you are resilient, you are collaborative, you are all the things that you need to be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Google, Harvard, and, um, you know, 77% of employers believe that soft skills are more important than hard skills. Mm -hmm. And all you need is one, which is right. wisdom. That's and right. so I teach uh, executives and their teams philosophy. Uh, I bring Socrates into the workplace and have fun classes and educational uh, programs and mm -hmm. teach people how to use philosophical principles for work. Okay, on the philosophy uh, spec spectrum over here, I really can really have an intelligent conversation with you, but I'll let you explore that topic for us. Um, I do wanna go a little bit back to your uh, background here and how this all ties together. And that's why I'm intrigued um, talking about this topic with you. 20 years of management experience you have, right? So there is a, when we're talking about philosophy on this one side and somebody out there listening to this right now might say this is a little bit soft, right? Hey, there's 20 years of management experience. Uh, you have nine years of um, experience in practice of philosophy, right? And you have a master's degree in organizational change management. And that is the link to, to Agile, right? Your organizational change management, et cetera. But before we go in there, what, what did the 20 years of management experience look like? I mean, we want to make this connect between your experience as well as what you want to do uh, with wisdom at work and philosophy, of course. So I, I spent 20 years as a rank and file employee, as a manager, as a strategist, and as a department head in the marketing and advertising field, in the agency side and on the client side. So I've worked for Citigroup, AMC Networks, the New York Times, and award-winning ad agencies. And essentially it boils down to this. I've been in some of the most intense working environments that you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And I've managed people in those environments. Uh, I have have a lot of uh, hard-earned lessons around how people, what people need 
at mm. work, what people need from their managers, what people that need in their work, um, what engages them, what's important to them. And yeah. I've seen this and had real world experience in, in all of that. Mm. And so I'm taking those experiences and applying them and using them as a way to incorporate organizational change and philosophy and bringing all of that together into industrial philosophy. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, it's really important for me to help create a great workplace mm -hmm. because I've seen what works and I've seen what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So now with your training um, offerings and your coaching offerings, right? So we're recording on the 2nd of uh, April here together, 2020. Uh, we're in the midst of a pandemic, uh, coronavirus, um, et cetera. And you're also offering, obviously, virtual trainings. There's some interesting offerings you have, like a, a four-week um, virtual class or workshop, or, uh, et cetera. Uh, how does that look like? How do you take your services into a virtual world and how do you work with executives? So I, it's essentially a four week class that I'm doing. It's a master your mind class mm -hmm. and it's a weekly class uh, and everyone joins uh, in, in via zoom and I present some material and some passages that are uh, relevant for working experience and some things that people uh, deal with mm -hmm. uh, at work. And then we sit and we have a discussion around it and people react to these, you know, philosophies. And then I present a practice, something that they can do right away in their work um, to apply these principles. And mm -hmm. then when we reconvene, we talk about people's observations, what happened. And, and it's just in a virtual environment, um, but the discussion is the same. The ideas are the same. The experiences are the same. Uh, and so, you know, there's really no interruption in the learning and in the discussion and in the insight. Mm -hmm. So, uh, for example, we talked a little bit about uh, uh, a parable, like uh, the quarrel between a pond and a river. Would that be something you would be uh, introducing in one of those workshops like, and then have a conversation about it? And maybe you want to introduce that parable. I don't know you if you know the context of it uh, from the topic. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Actually, uh, so there's, there's two aspects of this. I have, and I have it with me if you want mm -hmm. me to recite it for your audience. There's a, this parable of, uh, between a, a quarrel between a pond and a river. And the, the lesson in it is to share and be giving and that it comes back to you. And so in a typical class, I would present uh, this parable and we would have a discussion about what it's trying to teach and then I would you know develop a practice around this and say okay now when you go out to work when you're managing your people or when you're doing your work think about the 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 cycle think about you know think about this parable mm -hmm. and then they you know document their observations and then we talk about it mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, in the in the context of, of Agile, I, we, we can put the, the, the actual text on, on the Agile FM website. Sure. Uh, uh, right, but um, uh, but if you want to cite it, if you uh, feel like it, I uh, would like to hear it from you. Uh, I think that you probably have a, I read through it, obviously, right? And uh, But I would like to see what kind of spin you would have on it. And, uh, sure. I'm just curious. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I'd love to do that, but the what what I'd love to do before that is to talk about how inspiring I think agile principles are and what really kind of attracted me to talking with you about agile and, and in general and aligning some of the knowledge I have in philosophy to agile principles. Uh, you know, I was thinking about principles of being of service, you know, working, working with each other, working in, in service to the customer. Um, there's principles around connection and unity that translate into a highly collaborative um, environment and team. Mm. Things like empowerment and self-reliance, you know, is all about that motivated team and creating an environment around that motivated team mm -hmm. and even reflection uh, is really based on principles of observation and detachment. So when I looked at when I looked at the principles of agile, I saw philosophy all over it. Mm -hmm. And I ended up hitting my materials and notes and discovered this parable mm -hmm. and that I feel completely exemplifies what yeah. agile is really all about. Okay. And that's why I wanted to share it with you. <laughs> hey, what a great lead in. What a, what a fantastic lead in. Take it away. Great. Mm -hmm. All right. There was a quarrel between a pond and a river. The pond addressed the river. Oh river, you are very foolish to give all your water and wealth to the ocean. Do not squander it thus. The ocean is ungrateful and does not need it. If you go on pouring into the ocean your accumulated treasures, it will remain as salty and bitter as it is today. Keep all your treasures with you. But the river was wise. After hearing this, it replied, no. The river went on working, pouring into the ocean gallons of water. The miserly pond became dry in three or four months. It became putrid and stagnant. But the river remained fresh and pure. Its perennial springs did not dry up. Silently and slowly, water was taken from the surface of the ocean to replenish the fountainheads of the river. Monsoons and trade winds invisibly, silently, and slowly carried water from the ocean and kept the river source ever fresh. Nice. Thank you. So I feel like what I, I see, I do you want to talk about what you see in this? Because I could talk about what I see in this. Well, I, I definitely see um, in the agile community, and that is something I hear over and over again, the, the willingness to share, right? The, uh, uh, between coaches, between trainers, between consultants, um, employees, where there's a lot of sharing wealth of, um, of information, especially in the, in the world of knowledge workers. And, uh, and that, that, that sharing is good, that we all want closed systems, right? where we, where we um, you know, keep, keep that wealth to ourselves. Um, and uh, by sharing, we'll, um, in my opinion, this is what I read out of this from an agile angle, right? Um, by sharing, it's actually going to be good for everyone, right? The ocean, the river, and the surroundings. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that you see it that way. I also see it uh, in the whole idea of creating a sustainable practice. Mm -hmm. So 
um, in terms of the process of Agile, where everything just is continuously flowing and iterating and then coming back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the monsoons and trade winds bring, bring back, but that's like information and feedback and data coming back into the process and feeding the process again. So I also see it as, as a metaphor for the, the cycle of the process of agile. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to the openness and, and collaboration that teams need to have in order to be able to, to um, operate at this level. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyone who hoards information or anyone who, who doesn't contribute to the process uh, then keeps the cycle from really flowing in the way that it should. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful, right? So different kind of interpretations. And I think that's what this is all about, right? You're, there's room for, for interpretation of these things. And I guess that's a very way of, good way of starting a conversation uh, between coaches, etc. Now, what sounds prop- very easy here right now from you and what is sounding like, it sounds wonderful, right? But I think behind the scenes, setting something up like this is hard work, right? Because the, the right um, word of wisdom has to match the situation, right? So this is not as easy. What kind of advice do you have to listeners um, out there that might be coaches or project managers or whoever listens to this episode right now to like as a starting point, how would you go after that? I mean, I'm sure this needs a ton of experience and, uh, and research to get this thing right. But if you had like a, a stepping stone and said, Oh, I would love to try something like that one day. I recommend building at least 30 minutes of study time in your day, every day. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. Study time. Three minutes. 30 minutes. 30 minutes. I was just like, okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I would start really with the classics. Uh, and there are some really great intro to philosophy books out there that are written for people who are just getting started and understanding uh, philosophy. So I would get one of those books and I would just spend 30 minutes every day familiarizing yourself with some of these ideas And then after not a very long time, you're going to start to see how applicable some of these ideas are in your work. And so it's that study time, but then also really observing yourself in your work Mm -hmm. and observing others as they do their work and understanding and and just seeing what that working surface is. I call it the working surface and paying attention to that. Uh, and eventually you're going to start making those connections in in your mind. I mean, I, I've been doing this, you know, I've been studying and practicing philosophy for at, at, my, at work for nine years. Mm-hmm. And so I have, I'm able to curate an entire curriculum at this point, but it, it doesn't really take all that long. Just read and, and observe. Yeah. Wonderful. You're very humble because there's also a book out there that might be a very good starting point for all that. It's called Wise Up. At work <laughs> that's <laughs> true actually i didn't even plug yeah. my own book on that I answer go, <laughs> so, um i have to say um I, I took a look at it at the book and i mean the first thing i saw i i was cracking up was uh one of the chapters is called i can't do it uh so could you just um 
obviously maybe build a connect to that, right? Not I can't, I can't, right? Uh, do it, uh, Immanuel Kant. Um, in this particular case, can you just build like a bridge between the chapter and what's going on in the book, and why that might be a good starting point? Uh, thank you so much for for you know reminding me that I that I do have this book out here, which is really yeah. a good starting point actually. So Wise Up at Work is written for uh, you know managers and executives and 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 people who are who have some responsibility in their jobs to teach them um, easy to use. Uh, principles and practices to cultivate their wisdom. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's what the book is about. There's a chapter called I Can't Do It. Mm -hmm. So I got a bit nerdy with the wordplay, but essentially Immanuel Kant uh, was not the only one, but he did espouse the idea that our thoughts shape our experiences. Mm -hmm. And so what that chapter is about and is a, a fundamental premise um, which is if you think you're having a bad day or you think you're struggling with something or you think that something is bad, it chances are it's going to, you're going to have the experience that it's bad or you're going to have the experience of struggle. And I know that that's sort of an oversimplified way of saying, oh, well, you know, just, just snap out of it. Uh, but this is really important for us to understand because how you view your work how you view other people is all shaped by what you think. Mm -hmm. And so if you can cultivate the, a higher quality of thinking and at least being aware that you're thinking things in a certain way, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that just makes you um, much better at approaching and getting, your, getting to your work and getting to the outcomes that you want um, when, you're actually, when you actually understand that concept. So that's why I can't do it is if you can't do it or you think you can't do it, you're not going to do it. Um, you're not going to want to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a, it's, it's a great book, right? In terms of the structures and the letters and how you organize the, the book, you just feel very much like there are some examples. And when you look through those examples, you feel like this is you, right? And I like that because there are so many everyday struggles we're going through as, uh, as employees, uh, and maybe even more so right now working from home. Uh, different struggles, other struggles, more struggles, so maybe a, um, a life in, uh, you know, with, with family around and other structures around you. So there's a lot of things um, in that. In terms of wisdom, though, I, as I said, I cannot talk intelligently um, with you about philosophy, but one thing I did, and uh, this is what I want to tell listeners also on this um, podcast, is one time I did a retrospective and I tried to formulate that retrospective and I handed out uh, fortune cookies to everyone. I just bought fortune cookies from, uh, from a restaurant, which was weird in itself because they said, you don't want food? And I said, no, it's just fortune cookies. And uh, <laughs> so I handed out these fortune cookies and uh, everybody opened their fortune cookie. It was a little fun and there was a statement in it. And I obviously had no idea what the statement was, but we were actually able, there were some silly ones, yes, but then I handed out another one for that person. But what was interesting was just based on those statements, which is not necessarily philosophy, just like words of wisdom, we were able to build bridges to our own work. And uh, so your statements are much stronger, right? So you can actually build with more philosophy. You can actually build bridges between people, get these things going, have a conversation going. So I just want to illustrate that because people might wonder, how does this all relate to agile? There is, there is a connection 
another statement uh, you have in your book is, uh, um, what's his name, David Cass, uh, CEO of uh, HubSpot, all business problems are people problems. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, um, the reason why I included that, and, and I think the spirit in, in which he was saying that was if you aren't taking care of your people, or if your people are, you know, not functioning well, or the processes that are dependent on your people mm-hmm. aren't functioning well, uh, then then that's basically the cause of your business problems. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I don't think he was saying it in, in a way of, you know, blame, like all your business problems are because your people are terrible. He, what he's saying is mm-hmm. all business problems are people problems. Mm-hmm. So if you want to know what's going on with your business, if there's a problem, like address, address what's going on with your people, understand what's going on with your people. And the reason why I included that in, in the book is because we are all, if that's the case, all of us have a mind and all of us, you know, are human beings. And so in order to understand what the people problems would be, one aspect is to understand how their minds work or help them with their thinking right. uh, and help address the, and work on the problem from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, um, that's why I have that in the book. Yeah. There's so many people out there that, and I think it's not necessarily related to agile. I think in general, workplace kind of things, uh, we have better tools, higher speed, everything, everything, right? And uh, we're still like with all the optimizers in terms of technology, it's, it's getting worse. We're getting pulled in more and more directions. How do you, how do you respond, let's say, to people who are very much stressed out and, and very much, you know, like overwhelmed, feeling overwhelmed with being pulled in into so many different directions at work. Um, if you if you approach them with philosophy, right, where it's like, wow, that is, you know, deep. There's thinking involved. There is making uh, taking metaphors into your own world. How do you get people to breathe and um, and, and take them to that side of philosophy and, and the benefits of that? Typically, when people are feeling overwhelmed and pulled in many directions, it's because their attention is scattered and they're not centered. And it's because they've attached themselves to every single thread that's going on in their life. Every single thread that's being pulled in their work, they've attached to it somehow. They're not sitting back and just observing everything that's going on and being in a, in a place or sitting from a, an, a place of observation and witness and being like, okay, these are things that are happening around me. Mm-hmm. Most of the time they feel that they, these are things that are happening to them or you know, happening that they have to happen with those things. That's why the principle of you know, your thoughts shape your experiences becomes really critical because if you feel that these, all of these work streams, all of these tasks, all of this information coming back at you, all of these demands are happening to you or through you Mm -hmm. uh, or in spite of you and you attach to these things, you're going to get pulled along with them. Mm -hmm. So the work that I do is to help people obtain a level of witness and observation and detachment 
so that they can still do their work and do it efficiently and effectively without getting burned out about it and without feeling like completely like fire hose in the face about it. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I think this is much needed, right? And uh, especially in the world we are in, I, I described, uh, you know, in the past, the coronavirus uh, period for people to also breathe, you know, um, they're like stuck in a virtual office. They're going meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting and to break out of that pattern. Maybe some of your advice in your book, uh, the Wise Up book, right, uh, uh, could help. Uh, if you want to get in touch uh, with Christina, uh, on the show page on Agile FM, um, I provide all the links, and you can uh, get a link to the book, and you can subscribe to the uh, to the newsletter there uh, of Christina. And uh, I just wanted to use this uh, opportunity to connect with you and bring your topic to the world of agilists out there to to try something different and uh, get a new impulse. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. I I would like to just say one thing about how I feel how important I feel the agile community is going to be looking forward and moving forward. Um, the, not just the process, but the people who are the stewards of this process at some point, we are going to have to reorient. We are going to have to re-entry. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to reintegrate and companies and the work is going to need to gain momentum and people are going to need to come together and, you know, and, and refactor and reconfigure. And I think that the agile uh, principles, the process and the community uh, can be play such a huge role in that and in a much bigger role than maybe we had ever anticipated. And so I just, with, with all of my heart, uh, just want to say how absolutely wonderful I think this community is and the work that it does and the principles that it espouses. And I, and I really think that you are going to play a big role when we all get through this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. And, uh, and maybe down the road, we can do another podcast together. I'd love that. And maybe we do it about music. No, I'm just kidding. For the next time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon.